After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Red Circle. Also, the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like subscribe and turn the notifications on also make sure you subscribe to our discord it's right there pinned on the five reasons twitter page the new off the floor which is incredibly interactive which the other one was not we've got eight different channels on there you can chat with us during the games between games 24 hours a day literally Vosco channels for music and culture outside the nba other sports esports and more and of course the host updates you got accustomed to on the old winnow feed so check it out it's our new discord also check out better edge that's our gambling partner this is legalized gambling everywhere in the state of florida use the code 5rsn that's the number 5rsn get 20 dollars to play it's legal because you're betting against others who use it you're not betting against the app you also can find the line that you want they're based right here in minneapolis not offshore so check them out betteredge.com use the code 5rsn get your 20 dollars to play and now, today's episode. Down to Biscay. Yay. Uh, five on the floor. Drive for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing. Got an all band. Y'all seen the block. Stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust. It's about have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. The Miami Heat are now three and four after a last-minute win against the Lakers. Two of their wins now have come down to the buzzer, essentially, uh, and a defensive possession. So they survive against L.A. when Cam Reddish misses a shot after LeBron James uh, drives down the lane, Bam Adebayo, the first ever 2020-10 uh, triple-double in Miami Heat history, 28 points from Jimmy Butler, and Tyler Hero had 22. But we're not really going to talk about the three of them today. Uh, we're t- we're going to speak about three guys who were brought in to supplement this roster this offseason. We talked a lot about what the Heat didn't do. Well, they did three things. They brought in Josh Richardson on the minimum. They brought in Thomas Bryan on the minimum. And they drafted Jaime Hawkins Jr. in the first round. So obviously this is small sample size theater, but the three players have been playing. Josh obviously missed a lot of time during training camp dealing with a foot injury. Uh, Hawkins had a minor injury as well, but he's come back from that. Doesn't seem like he's on a minutes restriction anymore. And Thomas Bryan has pretty much been in the mix here as the backup center from the beginning. So we're going to evaluate their starts uh, so far. 
and kind of where this goes with the three of them, because Heat fans, now that they're getting a sense of how they fit into this team, are maybe wondering if some should play more and some should play less. So let's start off with Josh Richardson. Guys, he's the known quantity. He left five years ago in the trade for Jimmy Butler, uh, or four years ago. Uh, came back on a minimum deal, had to be talked into coming here by Eric Spolster. We don't really know what the other offers were, but we assume he probably could have gotten more than the minimum somewhere else. We talked about him as a potential starting kind of hybrid point guard. Uh, that hasn't happened, but he has been coming off the bench. And we've noted that the team has struggled in the fourth quarter. They have the worst net rating in the league by far in the fourth quarter this season. Josh Richardson has played the entire fourth quarter in each of the past four games. Causation is not necessarily correlation, but we want to get into what's happening with Josh right now and whether or not his role should be expanded, which I think is what we all thought might happen, or maybe it should be reduced. So let me start here with you, Alex. What have you seen so far? Well, look, like I think I feel a couple of different ways about it. I think, um, first of all, when we were having that conversation, right, to start this off throughout the summer about like Kyle coming off the bench to, you know, um, ideally better utilize the things that he can do still. Um, it was less about Josh and more about Kyle, right? And it wasn't about Josh Richardson or even a Caleb, right? Because I think I kind of brought out that idea as well, the idea of Caleb starting there as a guard. The idea wasn't for them to be the guys running offense. And not that Josh has been that guy. He, he hasn't been like a lead creator or anything for them. But I do think he is touching the ball too much. And I, I say that with all due respect because I'm, I'm really not trying to um, talk down on him. I just think he, that's not his role. He needs to be somebody who is out there to take, you know, open threes, attack closeouts when he gets run off the line, you know, make the pass if it's there, take the shot if it's there, which a lot of times is going to be the midi for him. That's where he likes to settle into, um, which, of course, fits in with the rest of the team and their shot profile. But um, I, I think the problem is he, he's done too much with the ball in his hands, even though he's not being a league guard or anything. He just he, he holds it the rare times he does get it and it and it stands out because of that. It's like, cause the, the ball is the offense is already not a strong point for them. So once you have a guy like Josh holding the ball, it's like, okay, what's going on right now? Like, is this what they're going to? And there's just been some weird stuff going on. A lot of this has to do with injury, but like the, the idea that he's played entire fourth quarters, including last night um, over, you know, somebody like Haywood Highsmith, who is coming back from injury, of course, like it's, I don't think that's what we expected. So I, you know, some of this is being, um, skewed by, I think, the role being a little bit up and down as, you know, compared to what we expected. I think we expected him to be a rotation player who could start for them, but ultimately play around 20, 25 minutes and be, you know, kind of three and D. I know it's cliche, but that's really all you want from him. Play defense and hit the open three again, attack closeouts, all that. It's it's really not that hard of a role. I think he's done too much. And I want to shout out John Jablanca, um, who gave us a pretty fantastic stat in the in the discord earlier because we were having um, a conversation about it in there. And uh, he noted that uh, Josh Richardson's average dribbles per touch is about three. And when you put that into perspective, it's about higher or around the same as Desmond Bain, Chris Middleton, his teammate, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Tatum, and Kawhi. So it's telling you about like how much time he's spending with the ball in his hands once he does get it. So I, I really do think he'll be fine once he settles down and, and doesn't do that much. He needs to be a connected piece. Keep the ball moving. Do not hold it. Shouldn't be running many pick and rolls at all. And I think he'll be fine once other guys come back into the rotation, right? Like I think Caleb and Highsmith are supposed to be the closers. And those are the guys supposed to be taking, you know, some of those minutes from him and some of those touches from him. So once he settles back into, I think, the role he was expected to be in, I think he'll be fine. I also don't, don't think the defense has been awesome. Like I think he's no. he's been good. 
navigating screens for the most part. I, I think I expected a little bit more from him from like a deflection standpoint. I thought that would be something he really fit into because of the way that he'd like to help. And then, you know, even some of their, their zone stuff, not that he's been in a lot of it, but I kind of want to see more from there. I want to see him be a little bit more active uh, in the passing lanes. And other than that, he'll be all right. Other than that, uh, some of the other names that Jablanka threw in there, and this is the reason you guys should sign up for our Discord. These conversations are going on all day long, and honestly, we changed our episode as a result of this. So, uh, Or I changed the episode when I saw some of these numbers because I wanted to get into this. So you can actually influence the podcast. Uh, other names he's in there with in terms of dribbles per touch, KD, Giannis, Bancharo, Josh Giddy, and Scotty Barnes. Uh, that was not the intention here. Now, Brady, when I talked to Josh, not before this game, but before the prior game, uh, he said that he was learning Spose terminology, which uh, is people would think, well, he knows Spose terminology, but he said it's changed a lot. And actually, it's changed so much that he says he's overthinking because essentially he thinks he's supposed to do this, but then he has it actually it doesn't mean that anymore. So it's actually made it more of, a, of an issue for him. Um, how do they maximize him, though, before we get into whether the role should be reduced? Because, I don't know, it doesn't seem like this is a maximizing position for him. He gets thrown in the game, and he's playing the whole fourth quarter. He doesn't seem like he knows what to do. Yeah, I think, number one, aside from the offense stuff, like the way to maximize him, and it was something we talked about before the season, he should be playing in so much more, and Alex hinted at it, press and zone than he has been like as much as we talk about him impacting things defensively and the fact he's been you know okay at like navigating screens and the fact that maybe I think he's been a little bit put in a position where he has to play like weak side helper where all of a sudden now he's the one coming over from the that weak side corner and he's not the guy that you want contesting at the at the rim with some of these uh front court players I just think that he's a guy that should be like we have not seen a lot of the the 2-2-1 press I guess this season and I just think that's uh, when I asked about him on media days, like, I'm so excited for that. I'm so excited for that. And it's like, I feel like that's so much more him than the stuff that we've seen. And I think that is a lot of this. This is game, what, seven? What are we, it was just, we're at game seven right now that the fact they have time to figure this out. And you into that, the fact that he's still trying to figure out play calls and all of that. Offensively, I totally agree with Alex, like about not having the ball much, like a, as much as he has limiting pick and rolls the one thing that i've seen that i was talking about earlier today was like they've leaned on three-man actions so much more this season and i feel like he's been good in that just because he could he knows how to find gaps and slip the lane and cut and do all that type of stuff that i feel like that's more of his comfort so i think once you see him kind of like figuring out to your point like different sets that he knows and he's like okay i'm good at this that's when they can kind of figure out his gaps the issue is he just can't really he can't shoot 27 percent from three and have an expanded role this season. Uh, I think if you put it uh, specifically on catch and shoots, is at 30%, which is just a little better to kind of juice those numbers a little bit. But that can't be the case. Like they need him. If he's going to be in a role, we're saying not to have the ball in his hands as much. He has to be able to hit at least 36% of his threes on catch and shoots. It feels like, and that's like a, like a low baseline. Uh, So that's the thing to look for. So they'll try to maximize it and put him in certain roles, but he's in the same lineup every single night like it's the four bench guys with jimmy which by the way if you look at the lineup data is an absolutely horrible lineup and that matches the eye test because the jimmy with the four bench guys has not been good Uh, i think the net it's like very negative with him and jimmy 
Uh, it's slightly negative with him and Tyler. It gets a little better with that lineup, but I guess once he gets a little bit of a flow and they find their role, maybe it can get better. But right now it's been a little tough, uh, I guess, for him to find his spots. And when you look at the plus minus numbers too, you have to count for the fact that we're tiny sample size at this stage, but he had a huge plus in the game with Tyler that they came back and rallied uh, against Milwaukee at the end, which was essentially extended garbage time. So I, you know, it, when, when it's actually mattered, uh, it's actually probably been a little worse than the baseline numbers look. Um, the other question of course is Caleb, when he comes back, we did a whole episode on this, but you know, I don't think Josh is going to be playing all 12 fourth quarter minutes when Caleb is healthy. I it, and, and it's it's looking more and this will pivot to our next guy here. It's looking more like Josh is the one who may lose those minutes if he doesn't kind of get up to speed quickly, because I don't know how you take Jaime Hawkins out of the rotation right now. And it's not even about the offense. It's the defense. Um, I, I just I test stuff to me. He's looked like a plus defender. Like I and and I had the conversation with him in the locker room about the narrative that he wasn't a good defender. He says he doesn't really understand it. Um because he always could move his feet a little bit and he's got quick hands and he plays aggressively and he says nobody pushes me around. I'm 6'6" 230. He's very confident about his defense. I'll Brady, I'll go to you first on this one. Uh, also, you know, we saw that, you know, yesterday he comes in, he has the quick four points. Um, they running actions for him, but he also sort of injects himself into the play. He was quick with doubles last night. I thought on LeBron, he didn't look intimidated. Does he deserve, forget taking him out of the rotation. Does he deserve an expanded role at this stage? It's possible. I mean, I think he's looked, uh, really good in his offensive role, but to hint on your defense real quickly. I think the reason people were, were worried about his defense wasn't that he was a bad defender. It was the fact of like, kind of holding up in isolation because we saw a lot of the stuff in college where he was really good off ball. He was really good at getting his hands in there and kind of getting steals, hitting the passing lanes. And that's where the Jimmy comps came from. But it was like, when you enter the league and you're guarding opposing star level threes in this league, can he hold up? And he has done that so many times this season against real elite players. Uh, so that's been something to watch. Like watching that play last night where LeBron is literally a freight train down the lane in transition. He holds up. LeBron spins. He swipes low and gets a steal and goes in the other direction. Like that stuff is just uh, pretty crazy to see. But as the offense goes, I was talking about the other day, like the, this team needs rim pressure and like Jaime Hawkins really does provide that he provides it off the ball in on like, it's possible to provide rim pressure when you don't have the ball in your hands. He does that just by his cutting. Like he he's, he's not one of those guys that just randomly cuts to the basket. Like he has timely measured cuts where he's like reading his defender and all of a sudden he's wide open kind of in motion going to the rim. Like that stuff matters. Uh, and then some of the pro moves you're watching last night, you hinted at one of them, but like, he looks like Jimmy, like he did a spin inside where he came down the middle of the lane, does a spin, lays it in next play. Bam gets a steal. He runs in transition. LeBron's like do, doing his trademark chase down block, getting ready. And Jaime like stops, throws a left-handed shot fake on the right side of the rim. And LeBron has to stay grounded, lays it in. It's like, this guy's ready to play right now. And he's shown that and he has played <laughs> in these big games and he's looked really good. So I think one of the other questions was, can he play next to your best players? That was a conversation we had a ton in training camp. I believe he can. Like, I think it's tough to say, starting lineup put him at the four like they did in that one game and say shoot eight threes when you're open because you're the guy they're going to help off of that is not his fault that is not his role that is a role you'll never see him in I guess this season because that's just it's not him it's not where you want him to be but you could put him in there next to two of the top three guys and let him play a little bit more on ball and he can play off those guys 
So it's, he's been one of those – he's like those prototypical players that Spo talks about where he's like, I could plug him in anywhere because he has been. Like he's played in almost every lineup. He's played really well with the bench lineup. He's played good with the main players. Uh, so 100%, he's the guy that could see an expanded role. But more importantly, he's a guy that is not going anywhere when Caleb Martin returns. So I pulled this, Alex, and, and Heat fans uh, tend to be a little hard on their draft picks at first, but not in this case. How would you grade the, the Hawkeyes draft choice so far to the 1,000 votes as we speak? 47% A, 47% B, 6% C, and I didn't give them another option because I don't think it's serious uh, to have them below C. How do they get him more minutes, and are we looking at a player who could be closing even at some point? Oh, man. I don't, I don't know about the closing part, but you never know. You never know, right? Like, I, I'll leave it on the table for now. I don't think that'll happen soon, but honestly, like, the skill set that he showed is just something that they need, and it really comes down to what Brady was talking about, that rim pressure stuff. Like, it's just hard to overstate how much they need it. Um, I haven't checked the updated numbers, but that was not something that they had gotten better at uh, this season so far, in the beginning of the season. Like, they, they need it. They need him to do that stuff, and I think they also need it because they're missing Caleb right now. And not that he was looking good when he played, but like a healthy Caleb was giving you some of that stuff, right? Whether the on-ball or the off-ball rim pressure. And obviously we saw that come up in the playoffs when they left him a little bit more open in certain series. But regardless, that was that's something that they, they needed from Caleb, that they're missing from Caleb right now, and that they're getting from Hawkins. And I think something that, you know, kind of relates to uh, what we were saying with Josh and, and relates to what I'm talking about right now with Caleb and Hawkins is that, um, Josh was supposed to make Caleb more um, replaceable. And I don't think that's been the case. I, I don't think that's been the case. And again, not to talk down on Josh, but just, I, I you know, seeing, imagine right now if the Heat were playing without Hakez as, as well and how much rim pressure they would be lacking. I think Caleb would be missed even more so because Josh is just not giving you that. I like the little middies he's taking, but the like what Hakez does is necessary. And he's good at it right now. And then not only that, like you guys already went into, the defense has been stellar. He's been great. Like, we all thought he was a pretty smart off-ball defender who could, you know, work in, in the heat system of constantly helping and stunting and being in the right place at the right time. But he's doing it on ball, too. He's been fantastic. And frankly, he's made a lot more defensive plays than Josh. So, like, when Brady brought this up to me like a week ago at the game, I'm like, mm, that's a bold take that, you know, Hawkins should overtake should maybe overtake um, Josh's minutes at some point, but I, I see it. I see the vision because at this point in time, they need Hawkins' skill set more than Josh. And not only that, Hawkins has been fantastic at what Josh is supposed to be doing. The difference is, like, Josh has been more, like, navigating screens at the point of attack, so it's not the same defensive role. But, I mean, like, for his defensive role, he has been fantastic. And in the, the numbers are backing it up, too. Like, his steal, his steal percentage is insane. It's in, like, the... 90th percentile right now and so 18 minutes right now is a good place for him i think as a rookie but he is ready to play right now and i do not want to see him out of the rotation when guys are back healthy and i, I think like caleb comes back healthy you have to play him you need what he does but you have to find a way to keep Hawkins in there now whether it's josh whose uh minutes you you bring down or, or take out of the rotation i don't know maybe you go 10 man maybe you you, you know diversify a little bit more there but Hawkins has to play and I feel like I'm not usually like that with um, with young guys. And I, I feel that way about him. They need what he does. He's been fantastic. He's fitting in into the two stuff is there. The size is there. Like, you know, you guys mentioned he doesn't get pushed around off his spot. 
he is ready to play right now. Yeah, it looks like they hit on a guy there. And it feels to me like one of their rookies that we're going to see more and more moments, bigger moments as the season goes on. We saw that with Tyler. We saw that even in a limited role with Bam his first year. But the trust is going to come more and more as they go forward. And it's and funny because he's only shooting has- 21% from three right now. Like, if you feel like and, well, that, that, knowing that, that's the one more down on him, but nobody's down on him. That, that, that's the one hole. And look, I, I, I watched him shooting threes yesterday, and I still think there's some stuff they need to do with his form as he goes forward. And, but I, I think the confidence to shoot them is there, uh, whether or not he'll be accurate enough to shoot sort of in at least the low 30s. I think they would take that right now. All right, we got one more guy to get to in a moment. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Football season is back, and you know what that means. Touchdown dances, Sunday tailgates, and epic fantasy showdowns. But, fellas, let's not forget the real MVP of the season, introducing the all-new Beard Hedger Pro Kit by Manscaped, your ultimate luxury beard grooming experience. This kit is your secret weapon for staying sharp on and off the field. Don't fumble this opportunity. Head to manscaped.com and elevate your grooming game with the Beard Hedger Pro Kit. Join the 9 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. You heard that right. 9 million men or 109 MetLife stadiums. We shouldn't be talking about New York. So go to manscaped.com. It's not even New York. It's New Jersey. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code 5RSN. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the code 5RSN. Your grass is not artificial. Keep it shaved with Manscaped. All right. Now we're, now we're back. Uh, and I had a feeling this was going to happen because it always happens with the Heat's backup center. So... Thomas Bryant comes in, and we were heralding him early, kind of like we heralded Dwayne Dedman early, uh, which was valid in Dedman's case when he first came in, kind of like we were heralding Cody Zeller early. And we knew what the concerns were with Thomas Bryant. We also knew what some of the pluses were, that obviously, you know, he he's, he's a strong body offensively. Uh, you know, he obviously has a feel for the basket. He's willing. He can shoot in the perimeter, certainly willing to shoot in the perimeter. 
plays with nonstop energy and all of that stuff. Uh, but now we're starting to see some of those non-BAM lineups, particularly defensively, crater here. And we've also got a situation where Haywood Highsmith has been put in the starting lineup, which means Kevin Love is out of the rotation entirely, along with Jovic. But I'm really thinking more about Love in this case. And I'm thinking last night, are we going to end up seeing Kevin Love as the backup five? Is that where this is trending if their lineups with Thomas Bryant don't get a little bit better? A Alex, your view on him so far as advertised, better than advertised, worse than advertised, um, do you think he holds on to the backup five over not just Love, Orlando Robinson potentially, who played that in, at times last year and now has a, a guaranteed contract, or, or even Jovic maybe down the line? So that part, um, I'm really not sure. I could see the love thing. I could see the love thing happening before Orlando and definitely before Jovic because I think uh, it seems like Spoh just thinks of Jovic as a four at this point, um, or at least just in this point in time. But the the, the Thomas Bryant thing, I'd, I'd say probably about as advertised. The only thing I would say is that I'm kind of disappointed by it is that, you know, there was the idea that he could be a, a very low volume type of stretch big. And I don't really think he's shown that off. I, I don't love how the shot looks just aesthetically, but that's less important than just the way that he shot it himself. Like the, the, he was already shooting on low volume before this it's, it's gotten to the point now where he doesn't really shoot that three at all. Um, you know, he takes the occasional midi. He's only shooting 36% from there so far. So like part of the idea with him was that he could occasionally, you know, uh, space the floor in some of those lineups and, you know, it helps some other guys maybe attack the basket. That's not really a thing. You know, I've, I've been fine with him um, attacking the basket when he does. A little face-up stuff is cool. Like, I feel like he, that's how he's really getting to his buckets. And that counts as rib pressure, too. Like, he's, he's shooting 70% um, at the rim. So, that stuff I'm fine with. I, I feel like that's really where the offensive skill set and production comes from at this point. Um, the rebounding and screening has been solid. He obviously plays really hard when he's out there. It's just he has physical limitations. And that keeps showing off on the defensive end the way it has in the past. And it's kind of the reason why he's lost the playing time because it's just kind of, again, no disrespect, barbecue chicken for guys out there when, when he's, when, you know, when he's out there and not because of him and, you know, not trying or anything like that. But when, when you're a little bit slow footed and, and, you know, you, your, your hips turn slowly, like there's only so much you can do. There's a lot going on. Uh, you know, with NBA actions, with all these perimeter-based actions, it's a lot of ground to cover more than you had to, you know, before. So just being slow-footed, I feel like, stands out more. So it's about as advertised. You knew the defense was going to be a problem. You knew the offense would be pretty solid, pretty productive. Like, I think he'll stay more productive on the offensive side where you're just talking about straight points, right? Not even, you know, any advanced stats. I think he'll he'll give you a little bit more there than Deadman or Zeller did. Um, and I think he's a good rebounder, but you know, he's a veteran minimum player, and he's also being put kind of primarily in these lineups when he comes in um, uh, with Tyler, with Josh, with Duncan, and uh, the, the other one has been Hakez, I believe, who I think Caleb is going to take that spot when he comes back or perhaps Josh's spot, whatever. The point is that putting him in lineups with Duncan and Tyler, I'm not sure is the best way of optimizing him. He's playing with them for a, you know, extended period of time. It's not like, an, you know, in between other lineup changes. He's with them for a while. And I just think, like, that's a lot for Josh and for Hakez to manage there as, as the other two, you know, good defenders in that lineup. So I think, and, and like Brady was talking about, the Jimmy Bench lineups haven't been good. 
Um, there's weird stuff going on with the fourth quarter lineups and fourth quarter playing time. So I think a lot of this has, is going to end up coming down to Spo figuring out what is the best way to utilize his rotation. And of course he hasn't had the full rotation yet, but like, I, I think we can all agree, you know, Thomas Duncan and, and, and Tyler is not the best way of trying to hide what Thomas Bryant is bad at. Now you can just take the trade off and be like, okay, this might be a good offensive unit. We take the defensive trade off. Hawkins and Josh do, will do their best, you know, uh, attempt to cover it up and you take it, you take that trade off and that's what's happening right now. But you know, he, he hasn't been put in the best lineups either. So I feel kind of, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with him for now. Do you sub love him for him, Brady? I don't think so. Not yet. Not yet. I, I think they could eventually get to that, but to like for one, Love is not making this a better defensive lineup. <laughs> like, that's number one. This is not exactly. changing anything sure. on the surface. Yeah, like, maybe he'll take more threes, like, sure. But uh, number one, Alex is totally right about the, those lineup things. That's why, going back to – this relates to the Josh thing where I was talking about more zone. That's why before the season, it was like, anytime Thomas Bryant is in on paper, it feels like they should be in a whole lot of zone. Uh, it feels like it just fits that lineup that they're utilizing, uh, and it fits his play. But I'll say this, because we keep talking about the lineup data. And this happens every single time. Can we just note the fact that Bam Adebayo is the best defender in the NBA? So, like, anybody that comes in for Bam Adebayo is going to have a terrible lineup data. Like, it just it is what it is. Like, it's going to happen. Now, that's not to say drop that off. it's okay to be, like, a below-average defender. Like, that's not – that's also happening while he's subbing in for the best defender in the NBA. But, like, that also needs to be noted that it's just – it is really tough to emulate what that guy does defensively. Uh as for the offensive end, I mean, I feel like he's done his job decent enough Like because we've seen his role at times where he was like high volume taking a bunch of shots and he's entered a system where they're like, okay, we want you to do exactly what the, the players have done in the past. They want you to sit at the elbow, give handoffs, screen, roll, repeat. And then the big difference to me though is at least his energy is always there, if that makes sense. Like we've seen these past bigs and they kind of wear out. The fact that he's a little bit younger, I think, helps the fact that maybe by December, January, he'll still have this similar energy. Uh, we'll see. I guess we'll, we'll have another podcast about that by then. But his energy has been there. Uh, I feel like he's had more good moments than bad. And here's the big thing. We could sit here and look at lineup data after the fact. But, like, he has not had times where you're like, okay, Thomas Bryant just had to just t- uh, turn this game around on that stretch. He just gave up 20, 12 points in a row, and he just gave up this big run. We said that multiple times with Cody Zellers and Dwayne Dedmans. We have not said that about Thomas Bryant. Yes, there's only been seven games. That may happen in the coming weeks, but not yet. Like, we have not – he has not stuck out to me personally when watching him. I Like, he's had – yes, he's had bad possessions and drop. He's been slow-footed. There's been times where I feel like he's not bam, that he can't recover in that way. But I don't know if it's the level of Dedman and Cody Zeller. But shout-out to Alex. At the end of the day – this is always going to be the case with the backup bigs on this team. This is just, it, it just always will be. And then they're going to turn back around and in the playoffs, he's going to be playing for six, seven minutes and it's going to be back to the way it used to be. So, I mean, I think he's been fine. All right, we got to get Brady out of here. So I'm waving you off. Uh, here, here's my, here's my, yeah, I did like the Lakers this. media relations last night. No, <laughs> they waved you. You yeah, the Lakers wouldn't let me ask LeBron a question. Like he was looking right at me and they wouldn't let me ask questions, but I know. I, I, I don't said need no to more questions. This. We need, we need to cut this one off, but here's here's my prediction on this. Thomas Bryant, I think, was signed to get them to a certain point of the regular season, and I think now that we've seen this transition, whether or not it's an improvement or not, we'll see. 
Kevin Love's going to end up getting those minutes because Spo's ultimately going to trust his basketball IQ and they will figure out a way to work the rotation so that Love can be out there without two or three other poor defenders and make up for it. Ultimately, he's going to go with a guy he trusts. He's going to give Bryant some some room here, but I think I think Kevin Love is going to get that spot eventually. We're going to be talking about Kevin as backup five, but we, we'll see. The Josh decision to me is more interesting because I think Spo was planning to count on him. And so far from what we've seen, it's not trending that direction. And it looks like you can count on the rookie more. Uh, and so when Caleb comes back, I, I think it's Josh that's going to lose some of those minutes uh, as we go forward. All right, we're at exactly 30 minutes. We're getting the heck out of here. Thanks to our sponsors, Better Edge, Madscaped. Uh, we'll be back for the Memphis game tomorrow. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Reason Sports Network. After all, someone needs to listen to my dad. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.